Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Guys, we're in trouble for pronouncing things wrong, all sorts of things. I think we need to do a uniform apology. Yeah. Possibly at the start of every episode, but let's cover off a few on this episode. Uh, my fault, Ghislaine Maxwell. Definitely Ghislaine, not Ghislaine, as we discussed on Wednesday. The S is silent, I think, because it's French. Yes, it is. And uh, Louder said, love you guys, but can you please do a little Google before the show? We hear you. We appreciate your feedback and Very we valid. will. Very valid. We also got some feedback that we were silly for not being able to pronounce Omicron. Oh, they didn't like that. Didn't like that. I also said that Leonardo DiCaprio didn't have an Oscar a few weeks ago. He does. So how about that? Oh, there are other things. I heard this morning on the ABC a pronunciation expert from the BBC in England saying that Omicron is pronounced Omicron, but he said, but also it is acceptable to call it Omicron. And various oh. other things. So that sometimes was one way people, of pronouncing it that I hadn't even thought of. Sometimes yeah. people, there is not only one way. Like Premier. No, there is only <laughs> one way. <laughs> no, not like Premier. <laughs> not like, like that. Gymnast. Like that. Also no. gymnast. <laughs> no, not like that. Okay, sorry everybody. Next year we will do better. <laughs> Welcome, welcome to Mamma Mia Out Loud. It's what women are talking about three times a week. I'm Mia Friedman because my name was first in the script and I still have to read to check. <laughs> I'm Holly Wainwright. I'm Jessie Stevens. And on the show today, the celebrities who are rebranding divorce and are you, or perhaps just everyone around you, having a slow motion breakdown. But first... So there's a very famous young Australian that many people would be aware of called Pixie Curtis. She is 10 years old. She is the daughter of Roxy Jasenko, who is a PR queen, an entrepreneur, a social media sensation, I guess. And Pixie's her daughter and she has her own business, even though she's only 10. Pixie's business is called Pixie's Picks. And it's basically a selection of things that 10 year olds love, like fidgets, which if anyone who doesn't know any tweens probably doesn't know what a fidget is, but my house is full of them. They are colourful little plastic things that you pop. She started off Pixie with Pixie's bows. Now she's moved into all kinds of toys. Anyway, Roxy gave an interview with Pixie to Stella magazine on the weekend where they talked about how successful Pixie's picks has been. She made the comment, Pixie could probably retire at 15 if she wanted to. Now, it's that quote that's been picked up, not just around Australia, but around the world. This story ended up in the New York Post, a big picture of Pixie with her fidgets and the quote, she can retire at 15. And the thing I wanted to discuss is not really about Pixie and Roxy because, you know, they are their own particular sensation. 
But about this idea of making all your money early, obviously this is an extreme example by 15. The reason it's a headline is because I think there's something so aspirational or at least there's meant to be enviable and aspirational about making all your money and then being able to retire. So my question is, is killing it early and retiring at 15 or 30 or 40 even or any age early, in inverted commas, a goal really worth aspiring to Jesse. I don't think so. It worries me. I think in order to live a meaningful life, you always have to be striving for things. So in a weird way, I worry that if you were set up and you sort of had all the money you needed, that you would feel directionless and lost. I mean, I suppose what it does do, if you earned all the money you ever needed and you read stories like this all the time about the couple retiring at 35 because they had a very successful 20s or whatever, I guess what it does afford you is an incredible amount of freedom to go and live where you want and work however many hours you want and maybe you do philanthropic work or whatever. But I don't know if that would necessarily make you happy. And I guess I worry about that. I don't know. What do you think, Mia? I think it depends on what retirement means to you. You know, maybe Roxy meant that Pixie would never have to work again. Maybe she meant that she wouldn't have to be a public figure anymore Mm. and she could, you know, close down her businesses or hand them off to someone and do whatever she wants because there's obviously a massive freedom in not having to work for money. But when you look at the richest people in the world, I've been thinking about this, Mark Zuckerberg, Elon Musk, Bill Gates, I mean, even the Queen, they all do things, some for money. Like I don't think Bill Gates and Melinda Gates have put their focus on the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation or whatever it's called now that they've divorced. They've put their mind towards eliminating malaria in certain countries and their vaccine programs. So work can mean different things. And if you've got an entrepreneurial mindset, which Roxy and I don't know anything about Pixie, but Roxy certainly does. You can't help but keep doing things. Like Elon Musk doesn't need any more money, but he's now trying to explore life on Mars. And so is Richard Branson. And, you know, Bill Gates is trying to eliminate diseases. So there are all these different things that you can still do of meaning and of contribution that aren't just about earning a buck. But is the aim retirement? Because with Pixie... The way it was said and, and I can it, think of nothing worse than retirement. No, and it should be said that it was said flippantly, yeah, like of course, tongue in cheek. So we shouldn't read too I much. I saw into the it way that it was Pixie. kind of blown up and then I went back and read the original interview and I think that Roxy was just saying she's been so successful that ha 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 she could retire at fifteen. But what does it do to your motivation? Yeah. That's what's interesting to me, is not so much I doubt very much that Pixie Curtis is gonna retire at fifteen. I get that it was a joke, but because I know that much more normal, in inverted commas, non-shiny people also obsess about setting their kids up well, as well as they can manage, right? And then yet you often hear from some very rich people the philosophy that they would never leave all their money to their children because they believe that it actually is bad for you to have that much money and not have to make your own way and make a living. I always remember Hugh Grant said famously that He obviously hangs around with a lot of posh English people and he said, I see nothing but fuck-ups among my trust fund 
friends, mm. you know, the friends who come from money and have never had to work. He said, there are a few things in life I believe 100%, but one of them is not giving your children any money. Mm. And Nigella said something very similar. She said, I'm determined that my children should have no financial security. It ruins people not to have to earn money. Now, it's a very privileged position to suggest that in some ways, because although it's character building to have to do a job that you don't like, it also can be completely soul-destroying to have to spend your life doing a job you don't like to feed yourself. But it's certainly true that in some ways there's no joy in not having to figure that out. If you literally never have to work for a financial reason, then you have to find another reason to get out of bed every day, right? To go and do the things you do. And it could be many things. But I feel like our culture broadly really aspires to great wealth, whether it's the Kardashians mm. and having 25 cars and Hermes handbag in every color and go, oh, wouldn't life be great if that was my lot and if I was born into that and I never had to struggle? But it would come with disadvantage too. I, th I mean, not disadvantage, that makes it sound like I'm playing my violin for these people. But I think that having to figure out what you want and owning your money as opposed to it being given to you is something worthy in my value set, I guess. I think it does depend on what the end goal is because I think that a lot of people's parents, it's not about setting them up, it's about the lessons you learn along the way. And clearly this is consistent with Roxy's value system and I'm not judging that, but they, you know, like the finer things in life. Having money for the sake of having money is something that she believes in. But what I think is a shame, and this goes for anyone who I think inherits an enormous amount of money or is set up from a young age, is that you don't get the humility of those early years of learning from others. So you're right, it can be soul-destroying, but going into an industry where you know very little, which I think everyone should experience because it teaches you how much there is to learn, is a real... Rite of passage. And a character, mm. like mm. it's a strengthening it's experience because you realise that people older than you know a lot. I mean, Pixie is being called an entrepreneur at 10. That's another word you can't pronounce. No, but I've always admitted Entrepreneur. I, entrepreneur. No, 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 no. Entrepreneur. Yeah. Entrepreneur at 10. And I must say there was just a little comment by Roxy in this about like I've always liked her entrepreneurial spirit. Yeah. Come on. The girl's 10. She's adopted the values of her family and like – Roxy has put a business into Pixie's name. I don't think that Pixie is a savant. I don't think that she's got her eyes closed looking for the next big fidget. <laughs> I don't agree with setting I, her I up as a business woman. I don't necessarily think that's true or fair. Like having had three children, some of my children are very entrepreneurial. Some of them are not. So you can have kids who are like that's just how they think. And particularly they're growing up with influencers and TikTokers and YouTubers mm. and Twitchers and they see that. My goddaughter had like four businesses when she was at school. She was repurposing old sneakers. She was doing all kinds of things. There are some kids who are really, you know, one of my children used to take miso soup to school in a thermos and sell it to his friends. Oh God, I don't know if I'd be boasting about that. I know. I will not say which one. But there are some kids who do just have it in them. And now we can retire. <laughs> Not quite. 
Hi Mia, Jesse, and Holly. I'm calling from Melbourne where I'm currently on day 14 of a 16 day isolation. So my husband caught COVID and then we all had to isolate because, well, he had to because he was sick and we had to because we were close contacts. And then day five or day six, we realized that we all had symptoms and we tested positive for COVID. I've been in a house with my family for two weeks and that's my husband, my three-year-old and my seven-month-old. And, you know, we were all really sick there for a small portion of the time, which could have been a lot worse. Thank goodness we're double vaxxed. But yeah, it's been a trying couple of weeks. So I just want to say thanks for your podcasts because they've kept me sane and allowed me to carve out a little bit of me time. Mamma Mia subscribers, you've been asking and we've been listening. Now you can get all of your exclusive subscriber audio on Apple Podcasts. That includes everything from bonus episodes of your favourite pods to exclusive segments to all of our audio series. To link your Mamma Mia subscription to Apple Podcasts, open the Mamma Mia Out Loud page in your Apple Podcasts app and follow the prompts or head to help.mamamia.com.au. It's a question everyone's asking. Am I maybe having a slow motion breakdown? In an article in Metro in the UK, Natalie Morris writes that we're used to seeing mental breakdowns or nervous breakdowns as they used to be called, as these massive cataclysmic moments in a life that change the course of your life and it happens in the blink of an eye. But mental breakdowns are not always these dramatic rapid events where everything instantaneously falls down around you. Sometimes they creep up on you. In fact, often they do incrementally over weeks or months or years. And it can be very hard to notice that it's even happening. And in fact, it gets more difficult to dig your way out of. So apparently these kinds of breakdowns are way more common than we think, particularly because we're so busy, we put our heads down and sometimes we miss the fact that there are parts of our life that are falling around us. Now, there are some signs that you might be in the midst of a slow motion breakdown, and they include bringing drama and stress into most situations. So say you're going for a weekend away and you just find yourself making it more complicated than it needs to be, withdrawing from seeing people around you, missing appointments or being unable to meet responsibilities at work, increasing behaviours like drinking or eating or spending money and not sleeping. Holly! Are you having a slow motion breakdown? <laughs> not today, Jessie. <laughs> not today. Actually, no. At this point in my life, I am not having a slow motion breakdown. But I've had one before, for sure. And I've spoken about it before too. And that was, I think, a slow creep on me of the early years of parenting coupled with a whole lot of other pressures and events that led me to have a breakdown that is not at all uncommon for women at that kind of stage of life I don't think. When you use the word breakdown what do you mean what did it look like did it mean that suddenly you had no ability to fulfill the tasks in your life like that's how I imagine it a breakdown I imagine is I can't get out of bed I can't do anything today. Yes or moving through all the things that you do have to do while feeling just a constant sense of panic overwhelm and hopelessness And 
I spoke about this in our live show, but I realized that I was having a slow motion breakdown when I realized I was just crying all the time, but not like crying in a like, oh, Holly's crying in the corner way, mm. but that like there were just always tears because I was always on the edge of tears. And so I would just be constantly mopping them with my fingers like but you wouldn't even notice we'd be talking now and you, well you might notice but you wouldn't because you know me well but you you wouldn't even notice because I would just be trying to get on with everything but underneath there was just this overwhelm and despair that had been building for a long time and I think that it's a really interesting phrase this slow motion breakdown because you're right Jesse the cliche of a breakdown is that you fall in a heap but the reality and and I know that this is not just a female thing but the reality for a lot of women and also I'm going to say a lot of mothers is they can't fall in a heap like they cannot actually fall in a heap they have a whole lot of people who are relying on them every day, literally for food, water, sustenance, emotional, everything. And so you keep moving through all the stages of this and putting yourself at the end of the list. I love these list of definitions because the one about bringing extra drama to things is (laughs) such a good little insight because I know that that's when I know that I'm not necessarily doing well or when friends around me are not necessarily doing well. When something that in theory should be a pleasing relatively simple event or celebration or just milestone just feels so difficult complicated and so much pressure on you that you kind of throw things in front of the wheels all the time I think that's so interesting because when you're in a good frame of mind when I'm in a good frame of mind when things are going well and I'm not having a breakdown I can be very relaxed about social engagements, about particular commitments. I'm like, whatever, if that thing doesn't work or I don't really, that person isn't my favorite person to spend two days with, but who cares? I'll be fine. If I'm not in a great frame of mind, those things are just overwhelmingly enormous and I can't see past them. I wonder if slow motion breakdowns as well, or the surprise I think I felt when I heard that term, has a lot to do with how we frame our own mental health histories. So when people talk about their experience with mental health, inevitably when we tell a story, we simplify it and we give it certain points to make it fit neatly. We give it an arc that didn't necessarily exist. So if you hear anyone talk about you know, their experience with depression or anxiety or any kind of crisis, they will often pinpoint. They will go, there was a thing that happened here and then things got really bad and sometimes it got better or sometimes it still hasn't or however they tell it. But in order to make sense of our own lives, I think we do have to point to certain things almost as a way of reassuring ourselves that it's not random, that we have more control than maybe we actually do. And so it's quite a relief to hear this word because there are a lot of people who are probably in the midst of this who can't point to a certain moment and therefore are denying themselves access to mental health care or a particular term because they're going, but nothing's wrong. I'm not traumatised. Nothing Mm. happened. I haven't lost anyone. I don't know why I feel like this. And I completely relate with that. In my early 20s, when I had probably what was a slow motion breakdown, there wasn't a catalyst. There wasn't a moment. It was years and years of particular thought patterns and perfectionism that landed me in a really toxic place. How did it manifest itself? Like what was its nadir? I lost the ability to write completely and then 
I lost all energy. Getting out of the house was really hard. I remember not being able to get out of bed. I remember one day hiding under my bed, being like, I just can't. Mm. Everything, like the sun was too much. The bus was too much. Like it just became so, so overwhelming. And that had happened very, very slowly. And and then what you do is you adopt certain unhealthy habits or whatever it is. I wasn't sleeping. I wasn't eating properly. And the good thing that a few experts have said is that anxiety, while it's mental and spiritual in a way, it's also physical. So you get tummy aches and you get pain and all of that. And you often don't attribute that to what's going on in in your head. Have you ever had a slow motion breakdown? Oh, I've had slow, fast, (laughs) medium-sized. I've had many a breakdown of all different shades and speeds. It's funny all these different words for similar things. I like how in some language there's like you know, a hundred different words for snow because snow is so important. I love that we're now in the last year really, since COVID, we're finding all these different ways to talk about our mental health. Like this time last year we were talking about languishing. Mm. We've talked about burnout. We've talked about, you Pandemic know. Pandemic fatigue. Yeah, and, what um, you've described could be considered depression. You know, I a number of years ago I had what my therapist said was a nervous breakdown, uh, you know, after I had a panic attack that went for 11 days. And I was thinking, oh, no, I haven't had the slow because usually my breakdowns are quite like they'll happen within a space of a few minutes or yeah. a space of a few hours and You're I'll, quite I'll an be impatient over them. person. You don't have the yeah. patience. Yes. You don't have time yeah. for a slow no. motion breakdown, Mia. But I think at the beginning of lockdown I did because I, every day I would go for a walk and every day I would cry. I would go on a walk and cry and it would be my cry walk. And I think a lot of people, I can't remember the last lockdown, the lockdown before, talked about the cry walk. And or maybe I spoke about it on Instagram and everyone said, oh, yeah, the cry walk, I do that too. And it became, I couldn't pin it to any one thing. Part of it was, you know, was it my children growing up and what that meant for my identity and, you know, Luca moving out of home and how much I missed him and, and you know, was I happy with what I was doing at work and was I just really tired or – and sometimes you just have to sit with it. Mm. And that's the slow part of it. The slow motion is that – there's no one thing necessarily that you can tie it to and you just have to sit with it and try to work out what parts of it you can change and what parts of it you just have to adapt to and mould around. Like I couldn't bring Luca back into my house but I just had to acknowledge that it was really hard and sort of grieve that. So there's been a lot of grieving in the last two years for all Mm. kinds of things. Look, I think talking about it I think just the best thing to do is to talk about it if you don't feel like you can talk about it with your friends or your family you can always come to the Outlouders group and talk about it and just know that you're not alone of course if things are really bad please call Lifeline on 13 11 14 but yeah I I think we can all really relate. Divorce is having a moment. An article in UK Vogue this week called how Kim Kardashian, Olivia Wilde and Megan Fox are changing the divorce narrative. And it was all over my group chat this week. I've got a lot of divorced friends. In most of my friend groups, I am the only married person. Do you have divorce FOMO? Yes. Yes. I do. I got it out early. I got it out of the way early, but yeah. now all my friends are divorced. It's like when, I mean, my friends aren't divorced yet, mm. but say a bunch of them go through a breakup at the same time and you look and it's awful but you also look at them and you're like possibilities that that doesn't not look fun and relaunches exactly I'm loving the relaunch I'm loving the possibility it's true 
This article talks about how one group of women seem to be really flipping the script on how we understand divorce and making it look, well, kind of cool really without wanting to be flipped because we know that, you know, divorces are often heartbreaking and anguishing but not for everybody. The article talks about how when famous couples break up, the men are typically the ones who win. So like if you think about the Brad Pitt, Jennifer Aniston narrative or Charles and Diana or Ben Affleck and Jennifer Garner, there's always the sense that the man sort of leaves and, you know, the woman's a little bit left behind, even if it was a mutual or even if it was her idea, she's sort of broken and he is still whole and goes on to have good times. And the article says, in recent months I've been astounded in a good way to see the rarest of sights in the celebrity wild, divorced and otherwise uncoupled women over 35 living their best lives with new romances of their own. As she divorces Kanye West, Kim Kardashian, 40, appears to indeed be dating Pete Davidson, SNL star and Hollywood's favourite seasonal boyfriend, who happens to be 12 years her junior. Courtney Kardashian is 42. She's never been married but had a torturous on-off relationship with Scott Disick. She's now crazy in love and engaged to rocker bad boy Travis Barker, who routinely showers her with extreme flowers. And their fellow goth couple friends, Megan Fox and Machine Gun Kelly, Megan's 35, Machine Gun Kelly's 31, they're also subverting the usual trope, as are Olivia Wilde and Jason Sudeikis, who split after eight years together. She's the one globetrotting with a 27-year-old star, one Harry Styles. Hol, is this a long overdue new narrative when it comes to celebrity divorce? Yes, yes, yes. I love this so much. Although I've been admiring watching these particular shiny women, I'm going to use the word cavorting with my new favourite phrase, their seasonal boyfriends. I love that. (laughs) That is so good because I love how people are like wringing their hands about whether or not Kim Kardashian and Pete Davidson are a good match. And I'm like, (laughs) match. Women are also allowed to have transient fun relationships. Every relationship doesn't have to be like, is he the one? Anyway, I think he's Mm. seasonal. However, I've very much enjoyed it, but I hadn't quite considered this point until I read that paragraph in this article about the fact that traditionally men win in divorce and women are always seen as the sad, lonely ones. And I think it's really important to note That for us ordinary mere mortals, we should never downplay, obviously, the devastation that divorce can bring, particularly financially, to women. They nearly always lose in that situation, Mm. especially if they've got kids. But changing the narrative around the shame of being unchosen, in inverted commas, is bloody brilliant. Because I think that although... Kim and Olivia and Courtney, they're not massively relevant to any of our lives, but it's filtering down or maybe it's filtering up from other less shiny examples. There's a really big book in Britain at the minute written by a brilliant female comedian who's Australian actually called Helen Thorne and it's called Get Divorced, Be Happy. And it's all about the fact that her marriage fell apart more or less overnight and what happened after that. But far from being a kind of woe is me trope, she makes the point, and I think this is very true, and I just interviewed Jacinta Tynan for this glorious mess as well about rewriting the narratives around single mothers, and she says the same thing. But it's this idea that actually in most toxic relationships, the women are the ones who suffer the most, often doing the caretaking role to a guy who, and I know I'm generalising, but to a guy who is not giving what he should to that relationship. She's the one who suffers the most. And so she's actually the one who has the most to gain from freedom. Mm. 
the most to gain from not having that responsibility in her life anymore. Very often, men who've been taken care of by a woman in a traditional marriage for a long time fall to pieces when they have to look after Mm. themselves. That's not what happens to women. So I love the fact that although they're kind of irrelevant, these very fancy ladies, they're reflecting a rewriting of that rule that you're a loser somehow if you're divorced. And most of the 40-something divorced women I know are having very sex-positive awakenings. It's not dissimilar to Courtney Kardashian, but just not with all the diamonds and the extreme flowers. <laughs> I think that divorce has been recast as self-care in this mm. moment. And I also think I would add to that list Adele. Yes. Adele oh, yeah. yes, has Adele. made She's divorcing cool. Mm. Every time I listen to one of her songs, I'm like... I want to get divorced. Yeah. I'm not married, but Find I want a seasonal boyfriend. that. And I know a lot of single mums who are really grateful to her for this record and for putting out there, as we've talked about on the show, this notion that I made a choice that used to be seen as the most selfish choice a woman could make. But these are all the things my family gains from it. And divorce 20 years ago was grimy and messy and sad and the woman was often seen as a pathetic figure who, as you say, had been left. And also a sense of failure. A real a failure. A broken family, a broken a marriage. Failed marriage. A failed marriage. Was what yeah. we called it. And to see this change in sh- such a short period of time, because divorce is one thing, but what these women are doing too, Adele included, is finding someone new and the possibility that exists in a new relationship for everyone, it's an exploration of a new self. It's the creation of a new self, which makes people feel young and it makes people feel excited and full of possibility and freedom and hope. And they've written a new script. You're right that these women don't necessarily have much to do with us, but there are a lot of women in their 30s and 40s and 50s and 60s who are entering into this. And suddenly there is a script for them that's like, shit is about to get really fun. And that script didn't even nearly exist, you know, 20 years ago. So that can only be a good thing. I do remember, though, I have to say that a long time ago, one of my mates had just gone through a really serious breakup, cohabitation breakup, and I was trying to cheer her up. We went for yum cha because what doesn't cheer people up like dumplings? And (laughs) I remember really clearly saying to her, look on the bright side, you get to fall in love again one day. And she was like, get (laughs) Yeah, you've got to find your right time. You've got to pick your moment. I was very naive to say that to her. (laughs) I have a recommendation. It's a fun one. Christmas, we're doing our faces. And I had been looking for months for a really good pink lipstick. I don't do bold lips or whatever, but the nude can wash me out. So I need like a pink. I'm pretty fair and so... Perfect pink. I had tried so many lipsticks. Do you like a dusty pink? Do you like a baby pink? I think a it's called a corally pink. pink. Oh, corally pink. And so it's got sort of apricotty undertones. Yeah. yeah. And just the brightens your face up mm. a bit, but isn't too much. Mm-hmm. And I got sent a few products by a brand called Runway Room, who I hadn't heard of. And I picked up their lipstick. And it was the single best lipstick I have ever put on. It was the exact colour I have been looking for. It is called Feminist, is the shade. Feminist Creamy Matte Coral Pink Lipstick. It's $35. It is by Runway Room, which is actually by Alex Favola, who is a makeup artist, I believe. They are Australian-made, lady startup, ethically 
sourced, vegan, all the good things. Tried them. The other thing I tried was their blush, which is called the Peach Punch Mineral Cream Stick. And again, I don't want to look like a clown. Like I can't do like a red. Listen to you saying that you are using creams. Yeah. I'm using creams. Mm, That's what creams I'm doing. Are the bomb. They're it's the bomb. Because you're old now that you've turned thirty. Exactly. And I need a cream. I can't mm. be doing my powders mm-hmm. anymore. So it comes in one of those big, you know, the, how the sticks are really in. Yeah, love those. And like I a saw chubby stick. Yes, a chubby stick. And I saw Clinique someone does a really good one of those too on TikTok get a brush and they put it in yep. a chubby stick. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, well, I'm going to do that. Mm. And then Zoe Foster-Blake taught me that you're meant to do a tick, like a Nike tick on mm-hmm. your cheeks. So I've been doing that, did it the other day, went out, and my twin sister was like, that is the best colour blush I've ever seen. Where did we buy it? Oh, May where I have did we it? buy it? Give it, it to me immediately. on our I'll face. Hand it over. Thank <laughs> you for trying it on our face. Mm. Um, <laughs> it's so, so good. That's $60. So they're not necessarily cheap, but... It's used by a lot of makeup artists, so it's a premium product. I've never heard of this brand. Yeah. So it's just online, like direct to consumer. Yes, and um, lots of professionals and stuff love it. So it's really, really good. Runway Room, go and check them out. They're online. I will. That is all we have time for today. Thank you so much for listening to Mamma Mia Out Loud. It was produced by Emma Gillespie. The executive producer is one Eliza Ratliff. We'll see you on Friday. Bye. 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 Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures.